0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantara.
1: The reason that we have hope in the middle of the hardest circumstances is not in us. It's not that we're just positive people that have come to church because we like that kind of thing and we sort of get a buzz and we like this upbeat style of music or something that we kind of get revved up and go out into the world. The reason that we are hopeful in the midst of the worst circumstances is that our hope is beyond this life. and, And our invitation to you is that if you repent of your sins and believe in Christ, you can be just as in Christ. As we
0: are. God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock you hide in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky will be challenging us to evaluate our lives to see if we place all of our hope in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is all-powerful and has the ability to transform your life and raise you from death to life? The Apostle Paul in this text wants you to know that the power of Christ is toward you as a believer. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. When you place your hope in Christ, what comes along with his hope is peace and comfort to your soul. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 18 for our continuing study entitled, I Am Hopeful.
1: You can root your hope knowing that the character of God is such that that God desires to see justice done and He will see justice done. And it's often done in this life. But your hope can be rooted in eternity because if it looks like no one knows and they're getting away and there is no justice, friend, in Christ there will be justice for you. In Christ, every wrongdoer will be punished and every victim be restored because of Jesus. And see, what I'm I'm trying to get you to see, church, is is that, that these hopes are outside the world. Right outside of this, this world that we live in. They are above the sun, in a sense, as the, as the writer of Ecclesiastes would say, that they're not things that can move or shake. They're are real hope rooted in who Jesus is for this life and for the life to come. And because of that, that is why Paul says, Christian, I am praying that you see this, that you understand the hope that he has called you to. We are to be a perpetually, hopeful people in Christ. We are to be a ridiculously and impossibly hopeful people in, in the midst of an age of cynicism because we are in Christ. We are a people of hope. I, I have to tell you this. Your, your hope is somewhere today. Whether or not it's in Christ, your, your hope is in somewhere. Maybe it's in your career track. Maybe it's in your own abilities. Maybe it's in the, the, the next boyfriend or girlfriend that's gonna make you whole and happy but Scripture says that this world is full of false promises. Maybe you yourself have been hurt by the false promises of this life, that, that you put your hope in something and it's been disappointed. So you, you think, i got to put my hope in something else. I'm going to trust in this to give my life meaning and value. And, and, and it's disappointed you again And so you find something else. Well, the Bible says that we pursue these vain hopes because we've turned away from Jesus. We, we are all like our first parents, Adam and Eve. We sin against God when, we, when he offers us good things and then we say, I reject you. I want to be my own God. I want nothing to do with you. As one theologian says, our sin isn't just, oh, a speeding ticket. It's cosmic rebellion. It's looking at the holy, perfect, good Lord of the universe and saying, I reject you and everything that you stand for. And I choose to be my own God. And and the reason that this world is so hopeless is that sin has corrupted and destroyed and works its way into every good thing in this life, every seemingly good thing in this life. And it, it, it means that apart from Jesus and apart from God, there is no true hope in this life. But there is hope for you because there's hope in Christ. The the, the hope for you this morning is that you can be in Christ, that you can recognize your sin, you can recognize what you've done before the Lord and said, look, I reject you, and and, and, and you run, and you see how you've run to these other things that, one, don't satisfy you, and two, are, are evil in the sight of God. You recognize that, and then recognize what Jesus has done for you the sinless son of God went to the cross to die in your place so that if you believe in him, if you set your hope fully on him for your salvation, that you would be saved. And not just, and here's, here's the great news of the gospel. The gospel saves us from the wrath of God and from the punishment of our sins, Right? That's enough. Like if that's all salvation was, we would be amazed, right? But that's not all it its is. We're saved for something. We're brought into a family. We're not just saved from the gallows. We've been brought into Christ. And friend, if you don't know Jesus... We have to tell you that the reason that we have hope in the middle of the hardest circumstances is not in us. It's not that we're just positive people that have come to church because we like that kind of thing and we sort of get a buzz and we like this upbeat style of music or something that we kind of get revved up and go out into the world. The reason that we are hopeful in the midst of the worst circumstances is that our hope is beyond this life and, and our invitation to you is that if you repent of your sins and believe in Christ, you can be just as in Christ as we are. There's no no levels of of sainthood in the the, the Bible. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. You are in love predestined. You You are freed from the penalty of your sins. You're redeemed. You're brought into the family. All of those many, many blessings can be your hope today if you put your hope in Christ. You can go from utter condemnation to son and daughter. You can go from hopeless to full of hope today. So our hope is in Christ. Now, I'm not gonna do this any justice, but we have to just briefly cover verses 18 through 23 because, see, Paul, Paul doesn't just say, doesn't just pray for them that you may know what is the hope that he has called you to. He goes on and talks about the power of, of the one that they are in, the power of the one that has called them so that they can be strengthened in their hope in him. So I want us to do that this morning. I want us to read these verses and have our hope strengthened in him. Verse 18 says this, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, meaning toward, toward us who are in Christ according to the working of his great might. So Paul prays, I, I want you to know the hope God has called you to and the fact that that great power is toward us who believe. Paul knows that our hope rests on a person And because our hope rests on a person, the power of that person to fulfill that hope matters immensely, doesn't it? So Paul says, okay, great, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you about the great might of the Savior that you've put your hope in, okay? Exhibit A, according to the working of his great might. His power and his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul says, exhibit A in the power of the one you have your hope in is the resurrection. Okay? That's a pretty good exhibit, right? If you're trying to convince somebody, this guy's trustworthy. Why can I believe what he says? Well, he rose from the dead. Okay, that seems like, okay, well, if that guy says he's going to do something, he's probably going to do it. We as Christians don't believe that Jesus swooned on the cross, that he was sort of medically dead, that he sort of was just kind of out for a little bit. He was dead. He was dead. He was wrapped up. He was put in a tomb for three days, and God raised him from the dead. Okay, that doesn't happen apart from the power of God. And the guy that does that, that's the kind of God you can put your hope in. But Paul goes on, he says, not only did he raise him from the dead, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Okay, so now we go from the resurrection to exhibit B, the universe. Christ was seated, was raised from the dead and seated in the heavenly Places, Meaning that right now he is above the government of every age. He doesn't care about the binding resolutions of the UN Security Council. He's above every court. He doesn't ask the Supreme Court what they think. He's above every earthly power. And he's above every spiritual power, every false god, every demon, every thing that we tremble at that makes us afraid in the spiritual realm. He is above them. And his supremacy is such that it extends not just to this age, but to the future age when he'll come back and restore the universe. And so there will never be a power that exists in this universe that Christ is not supreme over. And there will never be a time when Christ is not supreme. So, Paul says, I pray that you would get this that you would see the glory of your Savior, resurrected and exalted, and put your hope in him. And he ends by saying this, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Here's the crazy thing about this list. So you know how it goes from resurrection to earthly powers to spiritual powers to ages and then the pinnacle of this kind of doxology that Paul embarks in is is the fact that Christ is head of the church. Now to me, I would put that like lower down. You know, it's like one of the other things. Well, he's also head of the church, but we're going universal here. You know, he's above this thing and that thing. and that thing. He's yeah, the head of the church, but he's above these powers and that power's in every age. And, and I would end it, it, some big universe kind of statement. But Paul ends here as if it's the pinnacle, the crowning achievement of what Christ has done. Here's why. This supreme sovereign Awe-inspiring Savior leads and guards and protects the church. He fills the universe, but he specifically and uniquely has the church as his body. And here's why this is good news for us: we are part of his body. In Christ, he is he is our head. Because we are in him and part of his body, friends, we are not on a sinking ship. We're not tied to an unstable government. We're not beholden to some capricious spiritual power. We are are part of the body of this Savior who rules the universe. And he, he fills all in all. And yet what he loves, according to this passage, is filling the church. See, Christ is the only sure hope in the universe, and we are in him, meaning our hope rests with this sovereign and supreme Savior who loves his church and guards his church and is head of his church. Friends, that's, that's the hope that Paul is referring to. So what do we do? This is going to be, be brief, but Second and brief section is simply this. Your hope is secure in Christ, so get secure in your hope. So what does Paul pray in light of this this amazing hope we have in Christ? He prays that we would understand it, that we would grasp it, that we would live in light of it. Okay? Paul prays asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So so how does Paul tell us How do we get secure in this hope? This hope is glorious. This hope is amazing. How do we get secure in it? How do we we bridge the gap between what we know about God somewhere in our head and our circumstances? How do we, in the middle of circumstances, remember this hope? How do we grasp this hope? The first thing Paul says is, your hope takes knowledge. He prays that the, the, the church would have a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So, Here's why this matters. It takes knowledge, like data, information for us to grow our hope. We cannot overlook the crucial role that study plays in our relationship to God. Too often, I don't know about you, but I, I want to grow in my hope by just like showing up to a meeting and hearing some kind of a band play and sort of getting like a buzz out of that and then leaving and then having hope. Not really thinking a lot. I do a lot of thinking during the week, right? So you kind of just want something that I don't really have to think. I'm just going to kind of feel my way toward hope. Just feeling more hopeful, you know? Get, get you know, put on a good worship song and one of those, you know, seven or eight minute super long worship songs that are super epic and you're, you kind of feel your hope grow. Yeah. Paul says, I'm praying that you would have a spirit of wisdom and knowledge of him. Because we want to wave a wand and be more hopeful. And Paul says something counterintuitive to us. He says, knowledge makes your hope clearer. Understanding makes your hope clearer. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish there was a different way. Could we just kind of inject this thing? Could I get, licked, you know? No, Paul, Paul says, this is what has to happen. You need to understand who your hope is in better and better and better in order for your hope to grow, right? This happens, uh, you know, when, when you get married. When you get married, you, you think you know your spouse. I, and I love talking to couples that have been married, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years, and, and Looking back, they they say things like, oh man, I don't think we were really in love when we got married, but we love each other now. Every year our love has grown. And you you get to know them, and what they're referring to is, is after they've gotten married and lived with one another and seen one another, their trust by God's grace often grows in one another. They get to know that person. They get to know their heart. They get to know what makes them tick. And as they get to know them, they trust them. They love them more and and, but but it's but it's through spending time with that person getting to know that person walking through things with that person and it's the same way with our relationship with God we have to get with the Lord we need to understand who he is we need to see his mighty acts in the Bible for our hope to grow but notice that this knowledge is not just sort of general vague knowledge this is knowledge of him and sometimes Christians can be passionate about all kinds of knowledge. You know, there are, there are always new people who think they know when the world's going to end. There are new people who come up with codes in the Bible. There are endless doctrinal controversies. And, and Scripture is clear that if used incorrectly, knowledge can do nothing more for you than puff you up in pride. That you can learn more and more and more, and the only result you'll get is pride and arrogance but that's not the kind of knowledge we want. And I love, I just love this little phrase, the knowledge of Him. See, friends, we're not after just sort of general knowledge about the Nephilim or whatever in Genesis and just these strange speculative things in the Bible. We're after knowledge of our Savior, right? That we are to be passionate about our Bibles because in that Bible is the story of Jesus. We're to be passionate about Scripture and memorization and getting up early to meet with Jesus because as we meet with Him and get to know Him, guess what happens? Our hope grows. And So let me, let me urge you to this. Psalm 119, 129 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. If you want to grow your knowledge of God, get in the word. As these words unfold, they will give light. They will shine light on the glorious Savior that we love. The image is is in this dark and hopeless world, it's like lighting a torch that just flames to life and gives us hope in the middle of the darkest circumstances. So, this seems kind of a strange place to, to go here, but how's your Bible reading going? <laughs> it's funny, I, I, it was surprising me even when I began to make the connection here. If, if wisdom and knowledge are part of us growing our hope in Jesus, how are we doing with our study of the word? And, and it shouldn't be cold or clinical, it should be study of him. Study of the person that we put our hope in. And here's one other implication. Psalm 119:97 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation night and day. See, in the middle of difficult circumstances, what we meditate on shapes how much hope we have and how certain that hope is. If I, if I spend like 95% of my day dwelling on all the hopes in this life that will fail and then read scripture for a minute before I go to bed, do you think I'm gonna go to bed hopeful? No, because I'm gonna be far more aware because I've meditated on all the hopes I don't have and spent so little time with the hope that I truly have in Christ. And so what the psalmist is saying is that I meditate on the law of God, on the word of God night and day. I think about it and as Christian as you think about as you meditate on the word of God your hope will grow. So are you are you meditating on your hope in Christ to grow your hope in him. And last and very briefly it takes knowledge your hope takes knowledge but your hope also takes the spirit. Paul prays in verse 17 that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Friends, if God doesn't reveal himself to us, all this is in vain. If we don't have the spirit, all of our learning and knowledge is in vain. And so our our hope, our one hope is that, that God would reveal himself to us, that he would open the eyes of our heart, that he would give us this spirit of revelation. See, when I read the Bible at times I can it can become a routine in the morning and I can almost approach the word almost like a scientist in a lab coat right You get up in the morning, and you make your coffee, and you put on your lab coat, and you get scrubbed up, and you get ready, you know, put the gloves on. You're like, all right, we're about to get into the Word here. Let me, uh, oh, very interesting, and that's a participle there, and, you know, like, and and that that stuff is good and helpful. I'm not saying that stuff is not helpful, but sometimes that can be kind of our primary picture of it. We're just kind of kind of sift through this data here, hmm, hmm, but but the, the picture that, that we get from Ephesians 1 is that Paul, while he's writing with the church, is praying, I, help, I pray that you get this. It's a living, breathing relationship that, that, that is constantly asking, Lord, reveal this to me. Lord, help me see this. Lord, help me grasp this. Lord, help me to take it in. And, and the picture is almost like a kid who, who's walking into the woods with a dad that loves the outdoors. And, and the little boy is taking his dad's hand and saying, Dad, what's that? Dad, tell me about that. Now he could go over and study the plant and dissect it and do all these experiments and he should, you know, perhaps as a scientist, but, but, but as Christians, we wanna take our dad's hand and say, dad, tell me about that. Dad, dad tell me about hope. Dad, help me to understand this. Dad, I don't, I don't understand how I can have hope in the middle of a difficult circumstance. Lord, help me, help me here. And as we take our dad's hand and as we walk through the woods and as we ask questions, we understand. It's to be a relationship. It's to be a constant dependence, a constant prayer. The Lord, give me insight here. Help me to feel this. Help me to take this in. So the application is that we are to certainly read the word, but we are to be as desperate for prayer as we are for the word. We are to do both hand in hand, asking for wisdom and knowledge, but asking for it. We've seen that our hope is secure and we've seen that our response in light of the security of our hope is that we get secure in our hope.
0: hope in God, oh my soul. It's a question for the ages, and sadly, existentialism has crept into the body of Christ. So where can we find the answer to these sorts of questions? Thankfully, our identity in Christ is clear in the scriptures. Pastor Ricky will explore this topic as he teaches through the book of Ephesians. You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com That's radio at betternewsradio.com Today's message, as originally presented at Cross of Grace Church, can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com If you can't get to a computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 915 562 We'll be happy to help you. Again, our phone number here at the church is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church and you sense God is calling you to walk in obedience to him by being a part of the body of believers, please join us for worship this coming Sunday at 1030 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study and fellowship and even prayer. For more information, including driving directions, log on to betternewsradio.com. We hope to see you soon. The music that you hear each day on Better News Radio was provided by Sovereign Grace Music. We invite you to visit their website, sovereigngracemusic.org. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from his series entitled, Who Am I from the Book of Ephesians? That's next time on Better News Radio.